What to Know podcast explores best practices, innovation, and latest trends with industry experts with an eye toward helping you, the listener, stay ahead of the ever-changing marketing and communications landscape. Hello, this is Greg Matthews from W2O Group. You're listening to the What to Know podcast, and we're broadcasting live from South by Southwest 2018 in Austin, Texas. I am thrilled to be joined today, fresh from London, by Marcus Sawyer, the president of ADECO Group X. Welcome, Marcus. Thanks for having me, Greg. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. So we are going to dive through a lot of good stuff in the next uh, few minutes here. To start off with, you spent 10 years or so with CareerBuilder.com, which is a really advanced organization in terms of uh, the way that we do recruitment. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience and how it led you to where you are today? Absolutely. So I started at CareerBuilder when I was 23. So it was one of my first real jobs, so to speak. I'd done a ton of other jobs prior to that. And I used to play football. So I had a football scholarship, decided that that wasn't going to work out and got a job at CareerBuilder when they were launching their London office. And I think at that time, the recruiter that was there was just so desperate to get someone in that I got the job and I got hired on inside sales. So I started on inside sales and I was pumping through hundreds of calls, speaking to a lot of customers, understanding the recruitment market. And then I got promoted pretty much every single year. So I worked my way up and by the end of it, I was running the staffing and recruiting division across Europe. And that had a combination of responsibilities. And one of those responsibilities was obviously still driving sales, so really being really close to the customer. The other was driving the product and understanding the products that we are delivering today and what the future ones would look like. And then the final piece was really around ensuring that when we had acquired businesses and brought them into our fold, that they were integrated from a European perspective. So we made some quite interesting acquisitions and it was super fun. Fantastic. And now... You're the president of ADECO Group X. Can you tell us a little bit about what ADECO Group X is and uh, how uh, your experience at CareerBuilder led you ultimately to uh, that role? Sure. So the ADECO Group, as many of you may or may not know, is really focused on the world of work. So it's a staffing and recruiting company um, by nature and, in fact, the largest in the world. So we, we, we do around $24 billion top line revenue and ADECO like many companies were at a point where they wanted to ensure that we stayed relevant for many years to come so the business has been around for 60 years it's done really well predictable numbers the shareholders enjoy the returns but we now need to take that business to the next level and ensure we stay relevant in the future so when I came in we didn't have a digital strategy. So I created a digital strategy and I was employee number one for digital. And it's coming up to two years now and we have acquired quite a few businesses. We started about nine, what I'd say projects and then acquired about five dedicated businesses. And the digital incubation unit is really focusing on three strategic pillars. One is ensuring that the business remains productive sort of digital productivity the second is we look at 
all businesses that we have within the staff and the recruiting world that are offline, can we bring them online? And we call those digital twins. And then the final piece is digital innovation, which is new business models and new markets within the world of work. So we're really looking at attacking all of those pillars and it's it's very much a combined approach. So I work really closely with the corporate team and um, the, the group CIO on the first pillar and he really owns that. So focuses on the, on the plumbing and will influence within a Deco Group X. And the second pillar, we're responsible for the M&A incubation, looking at new products, new services, what we can build. And when we build, we co-create. And also looking at brand new business models within the market. It's really fascinating. You, uh, you said a couple of interesting words there for a, a business that has been well-established globally in terms of recruitment and staffing. Talking about the world of work is is a bit of an expansion there, which is it's intriguing. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the things that you're doing to impact the world of work or to explore how to uh, impact that world of work at a Deco Group X that um, you know might give us a hint of what's to come? Sure. So I think one of the things that Deco's done really well over the years is the way that we've expanded our portfolio. We've looked at creating companies that focus on each element of the life cycle of an individual when you're going to work and also when you need to find a, a new job. And an example would be we have a recruiting business at one end and at the, 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 the other end of the spectrum, we have an outplacement business called Lee Hack Harrison, which is actually the largest outplacement business in the world. So if people are in a position where their skills are no longer required, we will help them and coach them back into the workforce. So we see that developing a a lot within the digital space as well as people become more flexible and they want different types of experiences at work we have to we have to listen to that so you look at and, and everybody says talks about like millennials it's not just millennials right but it's everybody that is interested in in in, in creating value they need flexibility. So we have to understand how can we provide that? Is that flexibility in how you find a job? That's one part. Is that flexibility in when you go to work? Um, the hours that you work? Is that um, flexibility on your environment? So we really look at all of those aspects and figure out where should we play in that particular space? How do we enhance that? Or how do we create value in those areas around the world of work? It is, it's really intriguing and we've, um... We've talked a lot during this conference in particular about artificial intelligence and augmented intelligence. I uh, understand that AGX has actually done some work around augmented intelligence. Can you tell us a little bit about what that looks like in the world of work? Sure. So there's a few, there's a few aspects to this. And if we take it from a perspective of how you actually find a job or how you start working in a particular uh, project, we look at AI as a way to provide a user experience to deploy people to work. So currently today, we are in a position where we're leveraging uh, a, a company that we've, we've made um, a strong partnership with called Maya, where we may want to do a, a ramp, which is uh, for a retail business where they've got a big distribution center, they need to hire a lot of people in a short space of time. Historically, and I say historically, we still do this in parts of our business, but you would speak to an individual, when do you want to work? What time is your shift? Uh, what are the shifts that we have available? And we would provide that information all via a human being. Today, we're doing that through a chatbot. 
So you can have a discussion with the chatbot and find out when's a relevant slot for you to work. Um, you can find out exactly where you're going to be working. You can also then be deployed onto that job and we can check your reference checks and, and background checks if we've already done that and we already have you in the system. So it's a full deployment and delivery of people out to work. Um, and the great thing about it is 24 seven. So it never turns off. That's that's an amazing thing. And as a former HR executive and a, and a business leader, I know that the recruitment process can be frustrating in the sense that there's so much asynchronous communication that has to happen. So many, you know, if recruiter forgets to ask one question that it might take, you know, four calls back and forth to get an answer. What you're talking about is the ability for the candidate to be able to provide that information whatever time of day it is that's pretty amazing yeah and it's also on any medium as well right so that could be if you want to have that discussion online through your web browser or if you want to have that discussion through text message or if you want to have that um, discussion through your email you can really choose and I think sometimes with re with uh, the recruitment industry we always think about the the way that's the most convenient for us as a company to contact a candidate so it's really providing that user experience and we're seeing really, really phenomenal scores on the NPS um, based on that fact that people can now speak to uh, someone that they think is a human a lot of the times. And we have to let them know that this is this is not a human being. So we're really transparent, um, but it's yeah, it's it's working really well and it's early days. So we see a huge opportunity in that, that area. Fantastic. You know, later today, we're going to be uh, talking on a panel about how to engage the next generation customers and the next generation workforce. I'm guessing that with the kind of very advanced, not only technology, but really sort of process and execution that you're talking about, it may take some convincing for some of your clients to be willing to embrace uh, that sort of model. Can you tell us a little bit about how, uh, you know, the changing demographics like what are the what are the things that you bring to your to your customers to say hey it makes sense for you to think about different ways of of managing this process yeah so i i think for customers it's not really a challenge because customers usually want things faster and cheaper and if you can do that and also create more value that they're, they're on board where, where you have a lot of the challenges is managing a large workforce internally and helping that workforce along the journey. So if you were the person that was focused on the delivery and that part of your job no longer exists, you're, you, may, you may not feel great about that initially, but if we can create an opportunity for that person and bring them along the journey with us, so we're very mindful around that. And we have a program called Grow Together which is actually focused on that the digital transformation of the group. It's focused on cost savings and our group CFO is at, in fact running that program. However, it's also focused on bringing our internal groups and our internal teams along the journey with us. And I think that's really, really important. And that's a part that we overlook within artificial intelligence and all these new emerging technologies. How do you bring everybody along the journey? So the theory would be that by using artificial intelligence to eliminate some of the repetitive, perhaps uh, the low-hanging fruit types of work, you enable, you free up time to do higher order tasks, which is a wonderful theory, but people sometimes feel uncomfortable about that, right? Yeah. 
And, and does that hold true for your customers as well? That you'll you know work with their recruiting departments, for example, or their staffing teams to help them understand how how that would work? Yeah. So so and and the, and in the recruiting industry, this has been talked about for many years. In fact, so when Career Builder came along, Career Builder was really new. What what happened was people were saying, well, the staffing companies are going to no longer exist, and that was like the first notion. What didn't exist anymore was the ads in the newspapers. So that that that, that went away because the ads were were super expensive. Um, they weren't evergreen. You had one day that you could have the slot on, and you couldn't track your return on investment. So I I think in terms of the the evolution, the evolution is going to happen regardless. And those that take that and drive it generally are the ones that, that, that benefit in the end. So it's kind of having some foresight to understand, hey, where are things going to go and what part can I play? Um, and if you're, if you're really proactive about that, I think you'll be in a good position. If you sit back and wait for things to happen to you, then there, 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 may be a, there, there may be a challenge there, right? So I think you have to kind of think through where you want to position yourself as an individual and also as a company. Yeah, it completely makes sense. And this is actually, it leads us into sort of an interesting subject, which is you're one of those folks that has a global remit for a global business. Um, you know, different cultures respond to those kind of different changes differently. Can you tell us a little bit about what some of the things that you see um, in terms of different responses to new technology, new ways of doing things based on geography or culture? Sure. So I, I think that overall, there are a lot more similarities than there are differences. And what that means is that you have different maturity levels within different countries. So there are some countries that are more used to and open to flexible work, right? And whether that is the temporary service that we provide or whether that is freelance work, there are some that just expect people to be full-time employees. So I, th I think when you look at those particular markets, you can dig a little bit deeper and you can find um, the reason why that is. And that may give you a better indication on how, how quickly those countries will start to adapt. So I think, I think across, across the board, if you look at um, the US, for example, the US is, is generally a lot more advanced when it comes to digital technologies. You also see that in parts of APAC as well. And also in, in pockets within, within Europe, but I, you've got, what you'll tell me, you'll tell me, you may tell me different, but I think it's like population US, like 320 million. Everybody speaks a similar language, not always exactly the same language. So you have the ability to, to try things at scale. And the, the, the challenge within Europe is you have different pockets try, operating in slightly different ways. So the maturity level doesn't actually scale across the board immediately. Um, so I think where you have kind of a, 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 wide, um, a wide variety of, of individuals that can test or try something, you generally start to get a higher maturity level. So I think that's uh, that's general, that's what I see just in overall business as well as um, within our world. Yeah, it's it's I know it's a tough thing to generalize, but it's going to be interesting to see how different cultures, different languages uh, can be applied to the the AI concept and and some of the other new workforce concepts. That's really gets good stuff. Um, I want to take a minute because we're here in Austin, Texas, and. Uh, 
you can't see this if you're listening to the podcast, but it's a beautiful sunny day. Uh, let's talk a little bit about you. Tell us something that people don't necessarily know about you. What don't people know about me um, that, that I can say on this podcast? <laughs> That's the tricky part. <laughs> I grew up with in London. I have three sisters. I have a brother. And we're, we're super close family. So um, some people may know that who know me, but some people who, who don't may not know that about me. Um, my dad, in fact, was a, and still is, he was a Taekwondo expert and he fought in the Olympics. Um, so I was always big into sports um, from a young age. And one day I had to just make a decision between Taekwondo and football because they were both on on the same night. And I remember having a discussion with my mum and I was like, 10 or 11 years old and she said you got to tell your dad I can't tell him and I told my dad and he was like super disappointed and I was like adamant I'm doing football blah 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 and he was like okay and my dad being a good sales like person that he is and he, he wouldn't say that he was like okay um you can do both but you have to run from taekwondo to go to football in the evening so I uh, like at, at an early age I was I, I kind of figured out like compromise and how that works. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And frankly, two pretty interesting sports to combine, I would imagine. Very different kinds of physicality involved in those. Yeah, absolutely. But you, you had to use your feet in both. So <laughs> yeah, that works. That works. So one of the things that we like to ask of all of our um, executives who come on this show is we probably don't get to read as much as we'd like to. But are there any books that you've read in the last year or so that were really impactful for you, either professionally, personally, could be fiction, nonfiction, anything that really stands out to you? So, so there, there, there's, a, there's a few books over the, the, the years that I've read, and I feel like what I read now um, is completely different to what I would read 10, 10 years ago. So I've got a friend of mine, um, and about eight or nine years ago, he'd come to my house, and he would see a stack full of sales books. And he, and he was and he he would laugh and joke. And my sale was I would always try and sell him to come out to go out and party. And he was like, "Are you using cold calling techniques? Are you using sales that really work? Are you using sales?" So I I used to pump for all these sales books, and I used to have a a sales book um, called uh, uh, "Cold Calling Techniques That Really Work" by Steve Schiffman. And any answer somebody gave you, it great, absolutely, we'll figure it out. So that was that. That was that was when I started at Caribbean. Then I had to start to expand a little bit. Um, and, and one of the books I really like at the moment is Zero to One by uh, Peter Thiel. Um, many may have read it, but I think it's it's quite an interesting read. He, he has a good perspective on um, how things um, work in the world, and then how you relate that back to business and, and really create a, a, an unfair advantage and also your your own category. Um, so I so so I quite like that um, that that book at the moment. But I'm more of a a fact reading rather than fiction and I'll dive into some biographies now and again. Um, so yeah. Fantastic. All right. So last question, and hopefully this is going to be a fun question, but we like to ask all our guests, if you were stranded on a desert Island and you could bring one album with you, what would that be? Jay-Z reasonable doubt, which is his first ever album. Uh, I, I sort of feel like I've grown with Jay-Z as he's grown. So he had a real kind of hustler mentality right at the start. And that was what I took into sales. And that first album also talks about his vision and what he wants to become and where he wants to be. And that was, I don't know how many years ago, but I'd say that's probably about 
15, 20 years ago. And um, he's now in a, in, in a completely different position, conquering the business world. And I, I see a lot of parallels and a lot of similarities. So I love that album. That is fantastic. Thank you so much. We have been chatting today on the What to Know podcast with Marcus Sawyer, the president of ADECO Group X in London, UK. We're broadcasting live from South by Southwest 2018 in Austin, Texas. Thanks so much for being here, Marcus. Thanks for having me. Really enjoyed it. Want more episodes of What to Know? We post a new episode every Thursday. Subscribe on iTunes, the podcast app, the Stitcher app, or Spotify, and view the podcast page at whwillgroup.com slash what to know.